Hi, I'm Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of The Business of Fashion. And this week, we're going back to Voices 2018 on the BOF podcast. Fashion is contributing to a global plastic pollution crisis. Each year, our industry creates fabrics, zips, buttons, shoes, and bags, all of which are made with some plastic, and which will one day end up in landfill or at the bottom of the ocean, where they take centuries to decompose. But there is also a growing problem with plastic that we can't see. Microplastics, which are in the fabrics we use to create clothes and which could enter our water bodies. At Voices 2018, Rachel educated us on how fashion can help solve this worsening plastic problem. So here's Rachel Lincoln Sarnoff at Voices 2018. The average American spends $60 a month on clothes and sends six pounds of textile waste to the landfill. Multiply that by the 160 million American women like me, and you get nearly $10 billion and a billion pounds of landfill waste just from buying and discarding clothes. When I first learned this fact about 10 years ago, I began raising awareness through projects like Eco Stiletto and Mommy Greenest. But it wasn't until I began working on the ocean plastic pollution problem that I started to see the connection to fashion and what all of us in this room can do to help solve it. Because unless you've been living under a rock for the last few years, you know that plastic is a massive problem. Each year we send eight million tons of plastic into the ocean, which is the equivalent of dumping a garbage truck full of our plastic trash every single minute. And it's why scientists now predict that by 2050, I'm sure you all have heard this, there will be more plastic in the ocean than fish. The most visible evidence of plastic pollution in the ocean are macroplastics. So these measure larger than five millimeters. We can see them. And they're dangerous or even deadly for more than 1,200 different animal species. But I would argue that microplastics, which measure less than five millimeters, maybe even more of a problem. And because we can't see them, most of us don't even know they exist. Microplastics can be produced by the plastic life cycle. So unlike natural materials, plastic never breaks down, but it can break up into smaller and smaller pieces, and these eventually can become microplastics. But microplastics also come from unexpected sources, like fabric. So a study showed that washing one synthetic fleece jacket one time in a machine releases as many as 250,000 plastic microfibers, which are about a fifth the size of a human hair. And because they're so small, we can't capture them through wastewater treatment. So we're sending about a million tons of these into the ocean every single year. Luckily, there is a movement that's just started, and I'm part of it, to legislate, to pass laws that make sure that our washing machines are filtering for plastic microfibers just like our dryers do. Those dryer sheets that you pull out and clean when you dry your clothes, 
You're pulling out plastic microfibers so they go into the trash and not into your air. And we need to do the same thing with our washing machines so these plastic microfibers aren't going into our water. So legislation like this works, and it really can work quickly. It took just three years for the, from the discovery that plastic microbeads, another form of microplastics in facial scrubs and toothpaste, were washing their way basically from our sinks down our drains and into our waterways. They were also too small to be captured by wastewater treatment. And when we discovered this, we began to pass laws in the United States that only three years later culminated culminated in President Obama signing national legislation that made them illegal in the United States. And many countries, including the UK, have followed or intend to follow suit. And we need laws like this because microplastics are not benign and they are working their way up the food chain to us. So recent studies have shown that we find them in 33% of fish, in 70% of shellfish, in 83% of drinking water, 93% of bottled water. So your safest option is still to filter your tap water. That's a whole different presentation. (laughs) Maybe next year. (laughs) So these studies find very low levels of microplastics. And that's why some people tend to dismiss them. But many plastics contain endocrine disruptors, which have been linked to obesity, infertility, and even cancer. And this is why many doctors are concerned. Today, 93% of Americans test positive for the endocrine disrupting chemicals found in plastic. We don't have this statistic for other countries, but given plastic's ubiquity, we can assume that levels, levels are high elsewhere. So what can we do? As individuals, we can stop using single-use plastics. Now, this means something that you use once and you throw in the trash or the recycling bin. And even if you throw it in the recycling bin, it is still considered a single-use plastic. The European Union is really leading on this. So recently, about three weeks ago, they voted to ban single-use plastics by 2021, which is amazing. It's a huge shift. And when I talk about shifts like this, often people come up to me and say, well, why do we need laws like that? Won't biodegradable and compostable plastics solve the problem? And this is a valid question because these plastics, typically made from plants like corn, have been positioned as the good plastic, the safe plastic, the one we can use without guilt. But the truth is that in order to compost, most compostable, let's use quotes, plastics must be processed in industrial composting facilities, and these are simply not widely available. They don't break down in your backyard pile of leaves. They don't break down in your green bin. They don't break down in the landfill. Unless they're processed with just the right amount of humidity and heat, they act like any other plastic. And that's why companies like Amazon are now being sued for misleading consumers about claims of biodegradable and compostable plastics. Which brings us to recycling. So how many of you think that a number on the bottom of a plastic product means that it's recyclable. Please be honest. 
Okay, you guys are well, way too educated. But most people, and, and this includes me just a few years ago, think this, that if you see a number on the bottom of a plastic product, you can throw it in a plastic a recycling bin and be assured that it will magically be turned into another plastic product. But the truth is, it's really complicated. That number is simply telling you what type of plastic it is. What's recyclable depends on where you recycle it. So I'll give you an example. Where I live in Los Angeles, we can recycle some types of polystyrene, which is number six, typically known as styrofoam. But a few miles away in a different zip code, if I accidentally put a piece of styrofoam into one of those recycling bins, I can potentially contaminate all the other plastic in that bin so that it's not recyclable either. And nobody knows this. The recycling system is completely broken. And this further complicates things like straw bans. So when Starbucks announced that they were eliminating plastic straws because they were not recyclable, they actually increased the amount of plastic in the new combination of the sippy cup lid and the glass. So yes, both are now technically recyclable, but even Starbucks admits that where they're recycled and how they're recycled is really a problem. Without a circular economy that supports reusing resources like plastic, companies will buy new plastic made from petroleum because it's simply the cheapest option out there. And with that demand, our rate of supply will grow. So right now, we're looking at about 300 million tons of new plastic created from fossil fuels every single year. And that is directly related to climate change. We recycle less than 10% of the plastic that we use. Plastic is made in every region around the globe. So developed countries use the most plastic with Americans, of course. <laughs> Topping the list, nearly 70 kilos per person per year. And yet, developed countries barely rank on the list of those most polluting the ocean. So how can that be? We must be doing something right. Not exactly. So recyclers, without a profitable market to sell used plastic, export it to other countries. For the last 20 years, China has accepted nearly 50% of the world's plastic waste. And when they stopped that practice this year, they threw the entire global recycling system into disarray. So a lot of that exported plastic, as well as the waste generated by these fast-growing economies, ends up in the ocean. A 2015 study showed that 80% of plastic going into the ocean comes from South and Southeast Asia, and China tops the list. So that's the bad news. The good news is that further analysis of that data shows that if we simply establish waste management and recycling systems in these five countries, we can actually reduce the amount of plastic that we're sending into the ocean by nearly 50%. The problem is, we are still using too much plastic. So globally, we use a million plastic bags a minute. 
I have been talking to you for about 10 minutes. 10 million plastic bags while we sit here listening to me talk. So that sounds massive, but it's actually just a fraction of the plastic going into the ocean. Today, nearly 50% of plastic in the ocean comes from abandoned fishing nets. And as I shared earlier, microplastics, like plastic microfibers, it's such a tongue twister, from, from fabric are really difficult to capture and therefore difficult to measure. But what we do know is that their use is going up and it will continue to rise. So by 2030, 70% of all fibers and therefore fabrics are projected to be from plastic, synthetics. And today, these fabrics are shedding nearly 200,000 tons of plastic microfibers into the ocean. But we can change this. Designers can choose natural fabrics like cotton, preferably organic, as Stella shared. These fabrics do biodegrade. They do break down. Manufacturers can embrace sheddability standards. And marketers, when we have something that needs to be synthetic, right, because you're not going to wear a 1920s, you know, cotton bathing suit, we can recommend best practices. So consumers are, are, are limiting the amount of plastic microfibers that are coming off of their clothes. So finally, and this is the most important thing, we can all support common sense legislation to better manage plastic pollution from washing machine filtration to minimum recycled content laws to outright bans. And we have to, because there's only one ocean, and our future depends on its health. Thank you. If you enjoyed this conversation, you might be interested in BOF Professional, our global membership community from the business of fashion. BOF Professional members receive unlimited access to all of our articles, daily members-only analysis, the BOF Professional iPhone app, biannual print issues, and all of our online education courses as part of your membership. For a limited time only, we are offering BOF Podcast listeners an exclusive discount on an annual BOF Professional membership. To get 25% off of your first year, click on the link in the episode notes, select the annual package, and enter the special invitation code PODCAST2019 at the checkout. We hope you enjoy it, and don't forget to tell your friends.